Hello, friends, and thank you for listening to this week's edition of Page 8 Podcast, brought to you by the Auburn Plainsman. Hello, once again, I am Michael Floyd, alongside the wonderful... Kristen Carr, and, nice to meet with y'all. And we are so very excited you have decided to join us today. We have a fun-filled show for you, and we can't wait to dive into this great action of Auburn Athletics. Kristen, how are you today? I'm great. I'm so excited to be here. We've got a packed show. <laughs> I'm telling you, I mean, you can just say it's been a great week or a, a kind of up-and-down week for the Auburn Tigers. And, uh, and Definitely. On the, <laughs> on the spectrum of softball, women's basketball getting their new coach, and baseball still trying to get over that hump so uh, we are so excited today and I'm pretty sure Kristen has a lot of good things to talk about as well as I do. Hey this is Evan Melans, online editor of the Auburn Plainsman. I just want to remind everyone if you'd like to support this organization and our podcast team you can log on to theplainsman.com and click on the button in the upper right hand corner that says donate. You'll be supporting over 127 years of local editorially independent journalism right here in Auburn. Once again, that's theplainsman.com, and click on the button in the upper right-hand corner that says Donate. Thank you so much in advance, and now back to the show. And now we are joined by Jake Weiss. Jake, how are you today? I'm doing good. Thank you all for having me on the show. It's always a pleasure to talk to Jake. Jake knows his stuff. He's an outstanding person. And Jake, we're going to talk about some Auburn softball. That's okay with you? Sounds good to me. This season is probably not what people expected it to be. So, if you could say, has this has this team met or f- fell below expectations for this season? Yeah, you know, Auburn softball opened up with that great 13-0 record uh, at home at Jamie Moore Field. And then, you know, they had to start SEC play. They opened up against Alabama, which is not easy, an easy task at all. Um, they got swept. Then after that, you know, they had some more, a couple more non-conference games to get right. Um, they had a big win against the ranked Florida State team. So things kind of seem to be op- – things were pretty optimistic for the team after that. Um, but, you know, since then, it just hasn't been easy. Um, SEC play is never easy. And, you know, Auburn softball has not historically always been the most dominant program at Auburn. So I kind of think expectations – Auburn softball is kind of where they're at. I think some people would maybe assume they would have won some more games in the SEC up to this point. But you got to remember this is a pretty young team. Um, and last season, too, when you looked at last season's team – Last season's team wasn't great either, and this is pretty much, I mean, they only had one SEC series last season before everything got shut down because of COVID. So for them, I mean, they're still kind of, they're, they're a pretty young team. I'm glad you transitioned us into SEC play. The Tigers were sw- uh, swept by Arkansas this past weekend at Jane B. Moore Field. Recap that series for us. Yeah, you know, so Auburn opened up a series, I think on a Thursday, uh, kind of weird, but because of Easter weekend, they opened it up on Thursday. Uh, they lost that first game 6-1, to one. next game was 3-0, to zero. and then the last one was 2-0. to zero. Um, So those last two games were pretty close games, you know, but the problem is you can't produce any offense. A 2-0 deficit, a 3-0 deficit feels a lot bigger than that, um, than what it really was. You know, but positives was that Matty Pintup made her first pitching appearance since um, before Missouri. She didn't pitch at all against Missouri. Um, she returned against Arkansas in that 6-1 to one game. Um, so that was good to see. Uh, head coach Mickey Dean talked about how she was on a pitch count um, going into that game. I believe he said it was about a 70 pitch count. So like I said, 70 pitch count. You know, it was good to see Maddie Pinta back um, for the Tigers. And I know they were happy to have her back. You know, overall after that, though, just, yeah, they just struggled to hit. Auburn just struggled to hit in that series. And that's pretty much what did them in. 
Auburn travels to Aggieland, College Station, Texas, to take on the Texas A&M Lady Aggies for a uh, weekend series. Do the Tigers have to win this series in order to say for that to be a turning point for this year for this season? Yeah, you know, I don't think it's super early to kind of call the season. Oh, yeah, I think it's too early to say the season's over. Um, obviously, definitely, there's pressure on them now um, to continue to win in the SEC. This series against A&M is probably one of their better chances um, to have a successful maybe sweep or maybe win two games in the SEC this season. Just because you look at their schedule, I mean, you're going to be constantly playing top 25 teams each week, week in and week out in the SEC. Uh, I believe A&M is number 25, depending on which poll you look at. Um, So this is going to be a close series, I think. And not only do I think this will be a close series, but I think this will be an interesting one to watch this weekend um, between the two teams. Um, So, yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Jake, so much for coming on. Uh, We always appreciate your insight. Jake Weiss, thank you for coming on. Jake Weiss, the sports editor of the Auburn Plainsman. Thank you all for having me on. I always appreciate coming on the show. Now, Kristen, back to you. All right, guys, we are back with Caleb Jones and Jake Gonzalez. How are you guys doing today? Doing very well. Thanks for having us on. Real excited. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. Um, it's been a good week for uh, Auburn basketball and just looking forward to kind of the future we got here. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, we're going to be talking women's basketball today, and you guys were able to be at that press conference in person um, for the welcome of Coach Johnny Harris. How was that for you guys? It was honestly fun. Yeah, it's been the first uh, actual press conference we've had in a while uh, just due to COVID. Um, so it's been fun to actually like kind of get back to it and kind of get back into the old rhythm of how things worked. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of strange. You know, walking in, you actually see people. Uh, you see coaches standing around, coaches that you haven't seen in person other than, you know, on the sidelines, of course, but kind of outside of that game day, that game day setting. It's kind of weird seeing them back again in, in the rooms. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So what, you know, was... What was the energy like in that room, you know, just being able to be back in person, you know, was that, I'm sure that was just like really exciting. Yeah, there was a lot of energy, uh, especially in that room. It, it kind of, you kind of felt the excitement, uh, like a grand opening, essentially. It was like a fresh start, typically as, you know, any new head coaching job is. Uh, but there was a lot of excitement. The The pet band was outside to welcome her. Cheerleaders lined the, lined the way to the new arena, and it was it's just you could really tell uh, the Auburn fan base and the Auburn staff is excited about Johnny Harris. Yeah, you can definitely uh, you can feel the eagerness, kind of everyone to kind of get this uh, this air rolling uh, for mm-hmm. Johnny Harris. Um, you know, she's had a lot of experience in her past. She's been good wherever she's been. Um, so you can kind of tell everyone's ready to kind of get it going and get it rolling and see where she can take the program. Yeah, for sure. So this is Coach Harris's first head coaching job. So what um, what do you guys think that she's going to bring to Auburn? Do you think it was a good hire? Uh, yeah, I think it was a good hire. Um, you know, she's a, she's a little kind of quiet on the, uh, that end of things and talking. Um, but I think she's got a lot in terms of recruiting in terms of her play style mm-hmm. and where she's been, you know, she's helped out with, uh, Vic Schaefer at Mississippi State, kind of helped build their program there and moved over to Texas with, uh, with him, uh, this past season. Yeah, I think, I think recruiting is probably the biggest thing that she brings to the table for Auburn. Uh, she spent several years in the SEC, so she knows the region well. Mm-hmm. She knows how to coach against against these other top coaches in the league. Not only just the league, the SEC is you know year in and year out one of the toughest conferences to compete in in women's basketball. Uh, so I think it's really good hire for Auburn to to bring someone in who's familiar with the conference, familiar with the coaches, 
uh, and familiar with the high school students and, and transfers in that in that area. Yeah, that's, I think that's a really good point. You know, um, she's she's been one of the top recruiters, um, kind of in the country for the most part for the past four or five years. Um, pretty much since uh, Mississippi State really got rolling. Um, you know, they've with Mississippi State, she went to a couple of NCAA title games, um, made the Final Four a couple of times. Um, and this past season with Texas, they made the Elite Eight. Um, so it's kind of really interesting. There's a lot of bright hope with kind of mm-hmm. how she coaches. Um, that blueprint she's brought um, to Mississippi State, to Texas, and now to Auburn to see how that kind of shapes up and kind of gets the program kind of off this that winless SEC season. <laughs> yes, for sure, yeah. <laughs> what uh, What do you think was the message that Coach, Coach Harris was trying to get across during that press conference? I think the message that, you know, sh- that really she spoke about is she's ready to get to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's eager, just as eager as the players are, to get on that court uh, as a head coach and, and just kind of coach the team up, coach the program. Now, it's not going to happen overnight. She's got a roster where there's only one person, uh, Unique Thompson, who's not returning that se- next season. Uh, of course, that is if no one enters the transfer portal, and there's always a chance that someone does. You do see a lot of you know roster overturn when when coaching changes happen, but uh, if if nothing if nothing changes, you're seeing a lot of the same same girls coming back next season. So it's not going to happen overnight. You, it's going to mm-hmm. be a couple of years before she's able to kind of get her recruiting plan in place uh, and br- bring some of her players that she's she's really looking forward to to bring it into Auburn before they can get that ball rolling. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, you look at it right now. Returning, um, honestly, Scott Grayson is probably the the best piece that she has left on the table. Um, you know, hopefully, you can see more improvement out of uh, Rami Levy. But I definitely think eagerness is something that's kind of apparent throughout the entire program right now. Um, during the press conference, one of the things that uh, Johnny Harris said was, uh, "I'll see you guys tomorrow on the court." Uh, you could tell that she was ready to go. You could tell the players are ready to go. You know, it's just something that's there's a little bit of excitement and to kind of get this underway and kind of get it moving. Yeah, awesome. So, Jake, I'm, I'm going to come to you and ask this question. Um, Coach Harris has worked with Vic Schaefer and, and other renowned coaches in this profession. She has SEC experience, and she spent a lot of years in the SEC. She comes to Auburn, uh, a program that is probably one of the worst programs in the SEC as of now. Um, so just tell us uh, her coaching style and what to, what do fans need to expect uh, for the upcoming season of the uh, Harris era? Yeah, um, it's going to be a little bit similar to how uh, Coach Flo was. Um, you know, it's going to be hard, aggressive basketball. You want to press a little bit. She's definitely a defensive-minded coach. But one of the things that stood out to me uh, in her press conference uh, is that she said that we're, we're going to pick them up when they come, or from the time they get come into town, and we're going to escort them on the way out. And I think that's really something that's going to stand out with how this team plays compared to at least with Coach Flo. Um, you know, they're going to be there playing 100% of the time, as hard as they can all the time. Um, is from pretty much from the first whistle to the last, to the last buzzer, um, you know, and that's that's something I'm really looking forward to, um, to see how they kind of kind of accept and kind of mold into Harris's uh, kind of culture into the vision that she wants to build for this program. Caleb, now I want to come to you and ask you this question. Uh, this obviously this is a Auburn women's basketball program who uh, hasn't received a lot of fan support in recent years. Um, now is a perfect opportunity for the Auburn family to buy in. It, uh, to what's going on here inside Auburn Arena as far as women's basketball is concerned. Um, take you back to men's basketball. When Coach Pearl first got to Auburn, it was considered one of the worst programs in the country, and Coach Pearl built that up. So how do Auburn fans buy into Coach Harris's era here at Auburn, and what is and 
I think she said in this uh, on an article in AuburnTigers.com, if the girls see people in the stands, it'll make them want to play harder. So take us through the community support, the Auburn family support that is needed for Coach Harris. Yeah, it, it all comes back to that one word, community. Uh, and, and that's something that she wants her players out in. She, she talked about it in a press conference, how uh, she wants her players out in the community because being out in the community, really helping helping out the city of Auburn, you know, whether that's, you know, service projects or just being out there, being accessible to fans, that's how you build a fan base uh, in her eyes. And, and that's, that's going to be real important in starting to build this culture up to maybe get a little more fans in the stands for her games as an Auburn Tiger. Uh, it's it's going to be real important. I, I think so. I think Auburn has not ranked in the top 10 in fan attendance for women's basketball in the last several years. Uh, now you can say that's because they have not been they have not been good. No, but you can also look at the the three years that Coach Flo took this team to the NCAA tournament, and they still were at the bottom of the SEC as far as fan attendance. Uh, so I think the big thing is just you know being accessible, having her players accessible, being able to connect with the fans and the community. I think that's going to be the the biggest thing is just being able to connect. I say uh, I want to add on to that. One of the things that at least Bruce Pearl did when he first got here was he was very accessible to the students. He really wanted to kind of bring the students into into the program and try to help them get started and get them kind of back energetically into the Auburn arena for this Auburn's basketball team. So I really look forward to kind of Harris uh, trying to do that maybe um, to kind of bring some more uh, student fan support at least. Auburn fans are excited to see what Coach Jay is what she's known called as now, what is what Coach Jay brings to Auburn. I think she was at the Auburn's football practice on yesterday. So just kind of getting out and making herself known, and people are excited to witness what Coach Harris does. Caleb? Yeah, you mentioned she was out at the football practice yesterday. Uh, one of the things one of the things she did mention in a press conference is, you know, uh, Coach Pearl and Coach Harson, they've already reached out to her via phone. Uh, they've talked on the phone. She said Ruthie Bolton reached out to her to talk about talk about this program. So I think I think you're starting to see kind of this this new era where coaches are really becoming a family in, in themselves. So they're they're reaching out to each other. They're their own support. Yeah, and I do want to say, you know, on the fan base part of things, she does come, you know, from her coming from Mississippi State. Like that program had a great fan base for women's basketball. They would fill up their arena. And, you know, I think maybe coming from that past, you know, and coming from being under, you know, Vic Schaefer, like, she's going to be able to maybe, you know, make a fan base and cultivate those same relationships that she comes from and, you know, really, hopefully for her, um, be able to just really fill up, fill up that arena, get those fans excited and, and maybe get some wins next year. All right, well, thank you guys so much for coming on. Again, this was Caleb and Jake Gonzalez, and uh, we're so thankful that you guys were able to be here today. Thank you, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's been a great time. Um, love to talk about women's basketball anytime. All right, we will be right back with Dylan Fox talking baseball. From the Auburn Plainsman, I'm Jack West. This is your news for the week. Last Tuesday... Auburn City Council met in person for the first time since the beginning of the pandemic in March 2020. They met in their new council chamber in the newly constructed public safety building at the intersection of Ross Street and Magnolia Avenue. All other public city meetings will return to in-person within the next month. In other news, Auburn women's basketball recently announced that it had hired Johnny Harris to be the program's next head coach. 
Harris joins the program after the Tigers went winless in SEC play last season. Though she was at the University of Texas last year, Harris has over 15 years of experience in the SEC. This has been your news for the week. Now, back to the show. And we're back here at Page 8 Podcast, brought to you by the Auburn Plainsman. And we are joined by Dylan Fox to talk about Auburn baseball. Now to my lovely co-host, Kristen. All right, Dylan, we're so glad you're here. How are you doing today? I'm a little tired. Uh, it's, it's been a busy week, but, uh, you know, it's another week of Auburn baseball, another week of SEC baseball, and who doesn't love that? Absolutely. So, last week's game against Arkansas, Auburn had a really surprise win that first game where they, they won 2-1, to one, and then they lost the second game 5-6, lost the third game 5-6 as well, you know, in the 10th inning. Um, what's your take on that series as a whole? Well, Scoring, scoring, uh, you know, over ten runs in a weekend against Arkansas is not easy. As 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 low as you know, as bad as those offensive numbers sound from a from a you know just a, a fan's point of view, uh, this this Arkansas team threw a lot of arms. They have a crazy, crazy. Uh, they have some crazy pitching depth. That there there is no doubt. Um, what's what's more impressive is that the starting pitching kept this team alive through all three games every every single game against what is probably the number one team in the country they were completely alive in and they won the first game they held them to mm-hmm. uh, it was the first score uh two to one yes yeah, yeah. two to one they held them to one run uh the entire game this is one of the best lineups in the country uh, this is a catcher who's probably you know the second or third best catcher in the country uh with opitz and they they they, they kept them to one run in that game, and that's that's incredible. I, I don't expect to see that too much more. Uh, I don't expect the Razorbacks to score, you know, less than three or four runs a game. Mm-hmm. The second and third games, again, was were Jack Owen back on the starting rotation looked flawless. I mean, not flawless, but the curveball was working so well. Uh, he was able to to mix in his off speed. He looked like old school Jack Owen. Uh, he is what you know Bailey Horn was to this team uh, last year, and and uh, were, would have been into the SEC season. Mm-hmm. He is uh, he is the lefty starter. He is the feature lefty starter, and uh, that there is nothing more valuable than someone who can a southpaw who can go six seven innings. Yeah, so you're really saying he's what made that difference for them. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, having one weekend starter that uh, you know, because Cody Greenhill has been a rock all year, and, and once you once you change that from one to two, that that really opens up your 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 whole pitching deployment. But speaking of pitching, I think we have to talk about the bullpen and their uh, complete failure. Is is <laughs> is the only way to really describe that. Um, Mason Barnett, who looked pretty good, I believe he closed game one, uh, gave up five walks the, the second game. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that cannot happen. You cannot just walk everybody under the sun. Um, the first game he looked like he, he was, you know, wielding out his whole arsenal. And then the second game, he's just, he's relying on fastball cutter. And that's just, that's just not going to do it out of the bullpen, uh, especially against a team like Arkansas. But it just seemed like every every person that they handed the ball to, they 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 couldn't handle the challenge, and that is going to be a huge issue. You cannot expect your starters to pitch perfect games. You can't expect them to go 120 pitches into the game because 
well, there's they're not Kumar Rocker. They can't do that. <laughs> they're not right. Lance Lynn. I would. That's that's the one thing, and I don't think it's an issue with deployment. It has to be an issue with talent because they've they've put a lot of these guys. Seb Thomas, well, Seb Thomas is coming back. Uh, when they get Fitz back and Mullins back, I'm not sure if that's this week or not. I'll have to ask Butch about that. But if we see Mullins and Fitz, I think that opens up a lot of mm-hmm. options for their bullpen, uh, and then they can even move Gonzalez back into the pen. Even though I I really like Gonzalez. So you're really thinking it's more of a, the pitching is more of an execution issue than a coaching issue? Yeah, absolutely. I, it, it's, it's, I think it's up to the players yeah. at this point uh, because the, I've seen, I've seen Mason Barnett succeed and I've seen him fail and I, I, he's, he's so inconsistent. I think it, I think it has to be, I think it has to be an issue with, with something in his arsenal for mm-hmm. sure. I mean, it could be, you know, one of those mental blocks, honestly, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of things in this game, you know, it's very mental and, you know, you, you make some mistakes early on in the season and that can really affect your execution going forward. So hopefully he'll, you know, for that team, hopefully he'll be able to uh, get over that. So last question on this Arkansas series, do you think you know, maybe this is some hope for the Tigers right now. Do you think that maybe there were some improvements that were made that they can build on for this season? One hundred and ten percent, Kristen. I, that's that is the the name of the game. It is the entire thing was an improvement from from getting swept by what what is to to be honestly in the SEC a bottom feeding Kentucky. Mm-hmm. This Kentucky team is not exciting in any way. We're not going to see this Kentucky team in Omaha. To going to Arkansas playing what is either the number one or the number two or the number three team in the country and losing by one run in two games and winning the first one, that is a million times better than uh, than uh, the, the week before. And so the starting pitching really made the difference. Jack Owen made the hugest, the biggest difference on uh, in this past weekend for sure. Yeah. All right. So let's look forward against this weekend series. You know, they're, they're playing Mississippi State at home. Um, you know, Mississippi State is actually Coach Thompson's previous team. Is that correct? So yep. he was their pitching coach, I believe. So what do you expect, you know, energy-wise from that kind of rivalry? He's facing his old team. You know, do you expect there to be some extra push, extra energy there? I, I think he does have a connection. Uh, he was, uh, just for fans that don't know, he was their pitching coach, uh, I believe, 2016. He uh, was 2015 or 2016 was his first year in Auburn. And uh, before that, he had a few MLB pitchers. Uh, if you've been watching the MLB in the past couple of days, you might have heard of a guy called Brandon Woodruff, who is absolutely dominating the MLB right now. He looks incredible. He was one of he was one of uh, of Coach Coach Butch's projects in, in Mississippi State, and and look how that turned out. So with with Mississippi State, I think the storyline. Uh, the storyline with with Butch, Butch is not a guy who goes after vendetta. Butch is the least angry man that I have ever seen. He is not. I mean, <laughs> I don't think I don't think he could ever be angry at uh, one of his players, and he's got nothing but but love for uh, Mississippi State and their program. So I don't think it's as as much of a rivalry. But I mean, does Butch want to beat his old team? Absolutely, he <laughs> wants to win. Like, there's no doubt about it. Um, but uh, you know he's he's not gonna spit in the face or anything. That's that's just mm-hmm. not what Butch does. 
Yeah, so, you know, Mississippi State's coming in really hot. Um, they've got a pitcher, you know, Christian McLeod, and he won the SEC Pitcher of the Week um, mm-hmm. this past week. So, you know, how do you think Auburn's offense will do um, this weekend against those pitchers? It's the same thing with, uh, with Ole Miss. They have to take pitches, and when they have a chance, they need to execute. Mm-hmm. That is, the, they have to get McLeod out of the game. That is that is, I need they need to take a hundred pitches by the fifth inning, like that's the they have to work through this bullpen. They have to get to like the fourth or fifth bullpen pitcher by the end of the weekend. They have to be you know running on tired arms. That is how they win this mm-hmm. because if if they're going to be pitching against the, this rotation all weekend, I don't know if they'll score a run. Maybe two or three. But if they can get to the the deep bullpen, the guys who are walk-ons, who throw eighty-eight mile an hour sinkers and you know you know a rolling slider, those guys who are you know way too nervous and way too young to be out on a stage like that, mm-hmm. that's how they that's how they can win ball games. All right. So you know Mississippi State they're ranked uh, five or four depending on which poll you look at right now. Um, what are your predictions for the series this weekend, um, score-wise, win-wise, for the Auburn Tigers? Uh, for prediction-wise, when you look at the whole weekend, I think, I think they can pull out... They're, they're not going to get a sweep. They can absolutely uh, get a couple wins. Um, that's just uh, depending on you know, what, their, what their plate approach is early to the game. It also depends on, um, there's a few key hitters, obviously Ryan Bliss, Tyler Miller, or Rakin, but what are we going to get from Stephen Williams, or yeah, Stephen Williams this weekend? Uh, what are we going to see from, uh, if we see Cam Hill uh, in, in the box, and hopefully not on the mound, uh, but it's it's what we, it's, it's, it's the performance that we expect versus the performance we get, mm-hmm. so I say they, they, they do get the win, and it would be on Saturday. Uh, I like McCloyd over Greenhill in the Friday matchup, but uh, mm-hmm. J- Jack Owen, uh, I think will pitch a gem uh, against this Mississippi State team. Uh, this is a, you know, it's not a completely righty dominant lineup. So I, I think they win Saturday. I think Auburn scores maybe twelve or thirteen runs over the entire course of the series. I think that that would be my prediction. All right. All right, well, there you have it. We have, uh, again, this has been Dylan Fox. We've been talking about baseball. So, um, Dylan, thank you so much for uh, coming on, and we appreciate your your opinions and your insight always. Thank you, Kristen, and thank you, Floyd. And now we're joined by the delightful Henry Zimmer, who's joining us to talk about spring football on the Plains uh, as the Auburn football gets uh, underway with spring practices. Um, There is an open... Uh, practice for students and faculty and staff, I'm assuming only, this, uh, on Saturday. Um, that will begin at 1045, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, Kristen will be talking about that later on and um, on this segment as well. But Henry, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? That's good. That's good. Doing well. Doing well. Uh, but, but let's get right to it. You, you had the opportunity to talk to uh, defensive and offensive coaches this week um, at press conferences. Uh, what did you grab from those coaches, and, and what coach, what defensive coach, and what offensive coach stood out 
more to you throughout these press conferences? Yeah, so on Monday, we talked to the four offensive coaches, offensive assistant coaches, uh, Cornelius Williams, Cadillac Williams. So both got two C Williams there, not confusing at all. Uh, Will <laughs> Friend and Brad Bedell. Uh, again, they're kind of talking about the same thing. Uh, I think Cornelius Williams probably has the biggest position group to, uh, that needs to improve, probably the wide receivers. He's uh, the old wide receiver coach from Troy. That, again, as we've talked about on this show a ton, is the big position group that has a lot of roles to fill. You know, they're losing three guys there, obviously. And, again, they're uh, they're just seeing how it goes. Uh, they're taking it every day as they can. Uh, Brad Bedell with the tight ends. That uh, That is going to be an exciting position group to watch for. He is very excited for what they're going to do. And he thinks they're going to use tight ends as much as they possibly can. He's an old uh, assistant of Harson. And Harson likes using tight ends. He brought uh, Bedell in specifically for that. And I think tight ends is going to be huge moving forward with uh, the Auburn offense. And on defense, I think when you look at the linebackers, they had a lot of good things to say about the linebackers. The coaches did. And you got Owen Papos, Kobe McClain. I mean, those are two staple guys for Auburn on the defense. If there's two guys to look for, it's going to be them. And, uh, you know, they received basically 90% of the praise from every position coach as kind of the leaders. Uh, Colby Wooden was thrown in there a ton, too, as the voices of the defense. I mean, they're the kind of stalwart guys. They're the middle guys on that defense. So, you know, those are three dudes that I think are definitely going to make an impact uh, when spring rolls and then obviously when fall comes around. Uh, Cornelius Williams, or I'm calling him C. Will because there's a lot of C. Williams on the team this year coaching. Uh, So Coach C. Will, Cornelius Williams, uh, I I find it very impressive that he hasn't coached outside the state of Alabama. Yeah, apparently he's coached at 60% of Alabama collegiate schools. Uh, Troy, UAB, South End, North Alabama, if I'm not mistaken, and now Auburn. So he's made his round. He went to Hoover High School. Uh, He's been coaching for about 10 years, and – He's making his way up to the SEC, and he's very excited for the challenge. I actually wrote the story on him for the Plainsman. He says that this is his shot, and, you know, he feels very confident with what he's got, and, you know, he's he has an impressive resume, and I think it, there's a guy to help these kind of young wide receivers and be a young coach, and I think the other C. Will, Cornelius Williams, uh, I mean, it seems like he's got his guys doing the right thing. So, um, the, the, these coaches, I, I, I've I've – wasn't at none of the press conferences, but I read what you guys wrote uh, for the plans. Man, great write-ups. Very great job on those. Um, But it seemed like all these coaches were excited, were elated to receive phone calls from Coach Harson when he asked them to join his staff. So just take us through that excitement. Uh, for from uh, just pick one coach if you want to. You can talk about all of them about the excitement they had when Coach Harson calls them asking to join the Auburn football staff. Yeah, absolutely. So Derek Mason's a big one. He's the defensive coordinator, the old uh, head coach at Vanderbilt. And so when his tenure at Vanderbilt ended uh, last season, he was going to take his talents to the NFL, or at least that's what he was fielding phone calls to do. He was fielding phone calls from the NFL and the collegiate level. And he said, you know what, I'm going to go to the NFL. I think I'll run my course in the NCAA and I'll take this next step in my life. And he was doing that, and he was fully prepared to do so. Harson called him. Next day, he's moving his family to Auburn. And I think all of the coaches pretty much share that exact same sentiment. Uh, Cornelius Williams, what we're talking about, he watched the press conference on TV. He hadn't been hired yet, and he told us that he looked to his wife, and he said, that's a good hire. I'd want to work for that guy. Like, I have no one respect that guy. That's someplace I'd want to go. And lo and behold, now he's here. 
And every coach has, you know, great things to say about Coach Harson. There's never a bad word. They've really talked about the family and the culture he's building already. And it's already something palpable you can see and feel. The open practices are a big thing. That hasn't been uh, a big thing in Auburn. You know, Malzahn just wasn't an open guy. But I think Harson is a new coach and a kind of open personality is really kind of bringing that new era. They, te- they keep talking about the new chapter, new era. I mean, the whole staff is new pretty much besides Cadillac. So you're just you're breeding a whole new thing. I think Harson's done a good job. And everybody who's on the staff was just super excited to be a part of it. And there's just never a bad word said about the school, the community, the fan base, the team, and the coaching staff. Yeah, yeah. So you were talking about kind of the new feeling that's been brought to this program and I I don't know from my perspective I'm seeing a lot more transparency really just from the coaching standpoint and you know he's like we said he's allowing you know students and to come to Saturday's scrimmage which is I think that's a super exciting thing um you know for Auburn students and faculty just to be able to see for themselves, you know, the work that's been, that they're going to be doing. And um, what are you hoping to see from the team this weekend that maybe, what do you think people are hoping to see? I think people just want to see production building off of what we had last year. Obviously last year wasn't the year we all expected. We didn't have a spring last year. So the football team, you know, missed out on some time. They probably weren't ever going to win a national championship anyway. But, you know, you can blame COVID and whatnot. And I think people just want to see a step up from last year. They want to see mm-hmm. Bo Nix progress. They want to see more of Tank Bigsby. They want to see the guys like Owen Papo and Zacoby McLean, who had over 200 tackles in the SEC last year. They want to see those guys take it up a notch. And, you know, every year you want to build off uh, the last. And that's what the coaches are talking about. You know, they're they're building a clean slate here. And a lot of the coaches are saying, you know, the guys who were starters or preemptive starters – you know, they're back at ground zero, but they know that these guys have experience. So the mm-hmm. coaches are trying to build off that. And I think the fans just want to see a little more, just a little more push, competitiveness. Again, it's only spring. It's the second, third open practice. We have A-Day next week. It's just spring. We still have a long way to go. Coaches, players all know that. But I think if I was a fan going into it, I just want to see some quick hits, some good stuff, you know, just – something to make you feel good about going into the summer and then having a good feeling going into fall. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, okay, last question. Anything specific that you think the Tigers need to do to show improvement and just kind of prove that they can be a force this fall? What is there a specific area you think needs to be really shown, um, you know, with the Saturday scrimmage and then A-Day coming up? Yeah, so offensive line, defensive line. I mean, that's kind of a blanket answer every year, but... <laughs> Uh, the offensive line, they're fine. I mean, they're they're a legitimate group, but I think people put a lot of the blame of last year's production on them. Uh, the coaching yeah. staff does not agree with that blame. The players have been very open about not agreeing with that blame. Tank Biggs is one of those guys. But, you know, you want to see offensive line some continuity there, you know. You want to see a, a full-functioning five-person unit mm-hmm. working as one, and the defensive line is the same. They have probably a bigger challenge, actually, than the offensive line because they're switching schemes a lot now with the new coaches. Uh, Nick Eason's the head coach of the defensive line, and, you know, he's kind of mum on who he wants to be as his starters. He says every day somebody different shows up. Every day somebody else has a different production level that they maybe didn't have the last week or the last practice. So 
the defensive line, you know, you guys like you got guys in the past like Derek Brown, Marlon Davidson, who you knew were going to be ballers. You know, you knew those guys going in were the top of the line in their, you know, their class. But this year, those guys are gone. And we don't have maybe the the type of guy that Derek Brown was. Uh, so you want to look for somebody to kind of come into their own or you want to see on the defensive line somebody to, you know, take it to that next level. And again, like yeah. I was saying earlier, give that extra oomph Mm-hmm. to then, you know, see if we can find out who these starters are going to be and, you know, who's going to be our guy on the defensive and offensive lines. Yeah, yeah. And I have to say, you know, I really admire the way that these coaches have come in and they're allowing people to start from ground zero. And, you know, they're really letting these players prove themselves and, you know, say, hey, I deserve to be in the starting lineup. And honestly, you know, maybe – it will prove to be an advantage for them in the fall. I think maybe there's some people who weren't really given a chance before who are being given one now. And I, I, I don't think there's nothing but improvement. There's nothing but up uh, going from there when, when you give people an opportunity to really just show themselves and, um, and really prove their value to the team. So, yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much, Henry Zimmer. Thank you. We are so um, excited for the football season definitely coming up, and we appreciate you coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. All right, guys, we're going to be wrapping it up today. We had so much fun. We talked baseball with their upcoming series against Mississippi State, softball, their upcoming series against A&M, and we talked about the new women's basketball coach, Coach Harris, and we are looking forward to football this fall. So thank you guys so much for coming on. This has been the Page A Podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Carr. And I am Michael Floyd. And we're signing off.